Welcome to Season 3 of Between Two Blue Devils, a podcast about the amazing educators, students, alumni, and citizens of beautiful Talmadge, Ohio. This season is going to be the best season yet as we sit down with people who have incredible stories to share and who are having an impact on our kids, in our community, and in our world. Now be sure to subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you listen to your podcasts on. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and give the podcast a rating. This is how we get the message out about our amazing schools and community. Now, crank up the volume, grab some coffee, kick up your feet, and get ready to be wowed as Season 3 begins. Today's guest has been described as being very patient and a very deliberate teacher. A teacher who frequently engages with his students. Someone who is extremely personable, enjoyable, funny. This guy has some serious drip. He matches his clothing to the topic being discussed. Not only that, he's got great taste in music and heard from more than one student, he is simply a wonderful human being. Today, it is my honor to have my good friend, Mr. David Hungerford, on the podcast. So I'm, uh, I, I was getting ready to explain to you before we started the interview that um, something happened earlier this week. It was around this week, about four years ago, that you sat in here and I interviewed you, but not for the podcast. It was before, you know, the origin or the birth of the podcast. So I thought that was ironic that you would be coming. I, I guess maybe that's kind of divine intervention with the snow day. Yeah. So it would align to be this week okay. that you so would be back with. like four year anniversary? Yeah, it was three or four years. Okay. I think it was yeah, four it's years. Been a while. I don't know. Yeah, it has been a while, but I just remember at the conclusion of that interview, how much I learned about you and uh, how just interesting of an individual that you are. So I'm thankful that you're available to, to talk to us again uh, today. So let's just begin with this. Why don't you introduce who you are and tell us a little bit about what you do? Wow, where do I start? Okay, well, first of all, David Hungerford, um, native Ohioan, uh, born and raised up in Lake County in Painesville. Uh, those of you that have been in my class have probably heard some of this, so my apologies for any redundancies. Um, what do I do? Currently, I am the English 12 teacher, uh, also teach speech. I see many alumni, multiple alumni uh, from that class in here. Uh, I am the advisor for National Honor Society, Academic Challenge, and the speech and debate team. You're a busy man. Yeah, I, I really have to rethink. Oh, and then I also did the <laughs> ACT review. Those those juniors, I see a few in here, uh, have been through my room already, which gives me a nice preview of next year's English 12 students. Uh, yeah, I've, I know I sat down with House before, and we're talking. He's like, well, that's your fault. Why did you sign up for so much? <laughs> well, yeah, ask me, or someone asked me, and, and it's I guess it's hard for me to say no. Uh, when, I, when I came here, and this is my seventh year uh, at Talmadge High School, when I came here, I said, I want to get more involved. I want to do more than just teach English. And I feel already I've got my back to this half of the room. Um, 
So I would say in seven years, I definitely have gotten involved. And now maybe to the point where I need to kind of... Stop saying yes. Peel, peel it back a <laughs> I also have taken a, a group of students over to England and Ireland. So the international travel, which unfortunately was stopped uh, two years ago when COVID arrived. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all set and ready to go with 12 students uh, to go to England and Italy. But that was canceled and never rescheduled. Mm. So, uh, that may start up again. I don't know. I've been approached uh, from the tour company and... I'm like, you know what? I just feel like it's not time yet. They're like, no, this is down the road. Like, I'm not standing in front of parents and trying to get them to sign on uh, to something that I don't think is just quite right yet. So, yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. uncertain times, right? And it, it's there's a lot of nervousness surrounding travel because I'm chaperoning a trip to France and Spain uh, here this summer and. Outside of COVID, now you've got all of this stuff going on internationally. There's just a lot of people who are nervous and not quite sure, uh, not quite sure what's going to be happening over the next couple months in regards to international travel. So it's your seventh year here at Talmadge. Yes. How long have you been a teacher? Total, I would, 32 years, 33 years. Wow, 32 years. Um, for 25 years-ish, I was uh, an, an independent contractor. I was... Uh, I had contracts with colleges, small private liberal arts colleges, and if you've been in my room, you've seen all the, the tenants in the back, where I, I taught a reading and study skills course uh, for a, a private uh, educational company. And we would go around the country and teach anywhere from one to three weeks uh, at colleges, uh, you know, just a, a year older than you typically, college freshmen. And we get them to uh, read faster with better comprehension, concentration, note-taking, all the study skills. Uh, and I, I guess that's part of the reason I was asked to help with the ACT hmm. uh, review. So that was very enjoyable, but the travel, the travel is definitely a younger person's game. And I, I really enjoyed traveling. Uh, eventually settled down, got married, had children. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't like being away for so long. And then I kind of stumbled into substitute teaching. Uh, I live up in the Nor Nordonia School District. So I'm like, well, let me see if this high school needs some help. So I subbed for many years, uh, and that turned into long-term subbing uh, in English. Uh, I didn't know. They were like, what subject are you, are you best on? And then we looked at my transcripts, and I'm like, well, you have a lot of English. <laughs> I guess it would be English. Uh, and that was my go-to subject in college. Uh, and I've been trying to tell my son this. Take a course that you enjoy that you can kind of escape and relax a little bit. And that was either literature or film for me. And so those were all in the English category. I had a lot of credits. And so then I had to take a few more courses and was able to uh, you know, get my teaching license and get that underway. And now I'm a full-fledged uh, public high school teacher. Wow. So you, you, you mentioned that you did a lot of traveling. Where did that that employment journey take you? What were some of the coolest spots that you traveled to? Well, technically it, it was Midwest, uh, obviously being in Ohio, uh, but that would also branch to parts of the South, the Northeast, and one of my favorite destinations, Honolulu. Oh, wow. So <laughs> and you it gave was that not up. <laughs> a money-making uh, venture by any means. It, I taught at uh, Hawaii Pacific University for a couple of weeks, and that was both Great and um, not so great, primarily because my wife and I honeymooned in Hawaii, spent uh, about three weeks. 
on four islands. And one of our first stop was Honolulu. That was 1998. I think I went back in 2006 on this business trip, and it was it was very melancholy. Uh, I'm there. I'm in paradise, but I'm by myself. Okay. It was like I said. It was not a money making venture. Uh, I pretty much broke even. Maybe had 30, 35 students, uh, which pretty much just paid the bills. It's mm-hmm. an expensive trip. So, but I, I was thrilled to be able to go do what I love in one of the you know most beautiful places on earth. So that was definitely a highlight. Uh, I also taught a few times in Florida, in Vero Beach. Okay. At, um, I forget if it was St. Edward's High School. Uh, it was a high school, and it was it was a great gig. I had two classes, and it was at three and five. So oh. I had all morning, all afternoon to enjoy the beach um, <laughs> in Florida. But it was also in August. So if you've ever been to Florida in August, it's like ninety and humid. So it was brutal. By the time I leave, you know, my condo and go out and drive over to the school, it was it was pretty steamy. Hmm. But I definitely enjoyed that as well. Uh, I, like I said, in, in New England, I, I've taught uh, in Massachusetts and Connecticut. The, the home office, the company that I started with, uh, they were based out of Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay. Which, if you've ever been to Greenwich, it's like Beverly Hills on the East Coast. It, it's very nice. Wow. Um, so I've been, I've been all over the country, and I've taught in all regions. It's just, I enjoy it. I still yeah. enjoy traveling, uh-huh. just a, in a different light, I guess. So you mentioned that you um, you went to Hawaii on your honeymoon. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your wife? Uh, where did you guys meet? Um, tell us about your family. Sure. Well, my wife's uh, Christine, and she's uh, born and raised in Parma. And I'm a Painesville boy, so we've got you know west meets east, <laughs> uh, and it's it's fitting because we met downtown Cleveland, uh, sort of neutral territory. And in fact, we met on a cruise. If you've ever been on the Good Time Three, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of the Good Time, but we actually <laughs> way back in the day we actually had one of our homecomings on oh, on wow. the Good Time. And this was um, 1996, which was Cleveland's bicentennial. So there's a lot of a lot of stuffs going on downtown. And so the night I met Christine, at first she did not seem too interested in me. In fact. First time, just like, oh, hi. You know, she was very cordial and then kind of brushed me off. <laughs> then you turned the charm on, right? I had to. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. My, I just kept going back to this woman. I'm like, I really, I'm, I'm going to try again. So as the, I, I don't know if I wore her down or what. So we finally talked and we hit it off. Uh, but in the, I had an ulterior motive in the back of my, my mind. This was January 20th, uh, January 20th, 1996. Uh, January, July, July twenty fifth is my birthday. That was pretty that cold to be out on cruise. Lake Erie. No, <laughs> Too many J months. Um, so July twentieth, nineteen ninety six. July twenty third is my birthday. I had two tickets to see Sting. You know who Sting is? At Blossom, on my birthday. So I'm like, I, I, my main goal that night was to find <laughs> to go with me to this concert. So uh, she made me guess her phone number. It was just kind of weird. It wasn't one of those, you know, where you just put somebody, you know, like now what you guys do, we had to actually, you know, call up. And so I have her phone number written down. And as we're standing on, on top of the good time three, there literally were fireworks going off for the bicentennial celebration. So I had a feeling this is this was this it. one this was the one. And I was very chivalrous. She was getting a little chilly. 
I don't know how in July it get chilly, but I had a blue blazer. It's probably the same blue blazer I have upstairs. <laughs> I just don't get rid of clothes. Uh, so I, you know, I put it around her, and, and uh, that if that cinched the deal or, or what. But, <laughs> well, I wouldn't um, get rid of that blazer. It's got <laughs> sentimental value. You got to keep that around. Doesn't quite the same <laughs> as it used to. But uh, so yeah, I gave her a call. Thankfully, it was uh, was her number and not just some fictitious number. And gave her a call or told her about the concert. She's like, yeah, sure. So that was our first date. Wow. Uh, it was um, at Blossom. And and so how long did you date before you, you popped the big question? All right, so here, here's the bookend. First, first date, my birthday. I asked her to marry me on her birthday. So her birthday's May 4th. So we dated from July 23rd to May 4th. Oh, wow. So not, not very long. Was that like 10 months? Yeah. Nine, 10 months? Approximately. Who are the math people in here? <laughs> it's too late in the day to do uh, addition. Yeah, almost, 10, <laughs> almost 10 months. So I had it all planned out. I even bought, uh, I mean, this is back when I had money and no kids, so there was, you know, there was money. Um, I bought some Waterford <laughs> Crystal, Aquinas Crystal. I bought a bottle of Dom Perignon. I always served this as a waiter. It's like $150 a bottle. Like, I'm not a champagne drinker. <laughs> so I, I had all this stuff. I had it all arranged. We had um, reservations at Pier W, which is in Lakewood. It overlooks Lake Erie, and you can see the city. Probably close to wherever that Cleveland logo thing is that you can get your picture taken and see Cleveland in the background. Mm. Um, so anyway, it was all set up. Go to her apartment, pick her up, migraine. She, she would get a migraine about once a year, and it was And that was the day. And I think she knew something was up because we'd, we'd shopped for rings and you know, it wasn't, I, I had to talk with her parents, all of that, uh, all above board. And so I, I called and, and I just kept pushing the reservation back. We got there about three hours later than originally scheduled, but it still worked out. Um, she said yes, obviously. And um, then we were engaged for about a year we got married the following. So that was May of 97 we were engaged, and then May of 98 we were married. So for chronology's sake, how old were you then when you you started dating? Old. old relatively speaking. So relative. So, uh, would, I mean, were parents okay with the 10-month uh, oh, yeah. dating? Yeah, they're like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were worried about both of you. Um, yeah, we were in our 30s. Um, I think we were 30. For my birthday, that was my 31st birthday. Okay. So, you know, had definitely had dated and, you know, knew then what was the best fit for me. And I think the same for Christine. She's a year younger than I am. So we were uh, 31. And then by the time we got married, then 33, I think. Well, I mean, I don't think it matters what age you are when you go and you ask a father for his daughter's blessing. Were you nervous when you went up to dad and said, hey, can I marry your well, daughter? they came over. We were, I think we were going out to dinner. They came over to her apartment, and we, were all, we all sat there. And then, um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a nerve-wracking moment. Um, but, uh, you know, just kind of mention that and just, you know, I don't know if it was so much as asking as it's probably going to, because I already had everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were like, yes, we think that would be wonderful. It would be great, and you know, hug and shaking the hands and all that, and a little bit of wiping away the tear. And, uh, so we're all good, let's go eat. Uh, and it was maybe two weeks later that I asked her. So I didn't want it to linger too long. Yeah. They probably 
be wondering, is this really going to happen? <laughs> but it did. And uh, yes, yeah, so this May will celebrate 24 years. Wow. That's worthy of some audience participation. Or laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 24 years of marriage. I know you have some children. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Uh, my daughter is Julia. She's 21, and she is a nanny. Uh, she loves it. She was also, last summer, she worked, uh, you know, because Cedar Point needed workers, and they were paying 20 bucks an hour. So she jumped on that and was a lifeguard at, uh, what are, what's the water park there at Cedar Point, whatever that is. Uh, so she did that, uh, enjoyed that. She's going through the phase of just trying everything, trying to figure out, which I think a lot of, uh, a lot of students do, a lot of you know, individuals do, trying to figure out their life, what 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 they like, what they don't like. Uh, but she, you know, she likes what she does now. She lives at home. My son Alex uh, is a freshman at BGSU, studying business. He's coming home for the weekend. I'll probably see him for about an hour. Uh, it's just <laughs> usually the way it goes. It's his girlfriend's 18th birthday this weekend, so um, they're going out tomorrow night. But I told him there's three things he needs to do when he comes home. Change the water filter in the uh, refrigerator. Uh, help me with the, uh, the blind in my, my room. And watch an episode of The Sopranos. That's what we do. So we're <laughs> almost good. through The Sopranos. We had to wait till he was 18 to watch that. It was a little, it's a little you know, awkward. Uh, have you watched the movie that just came out on HBO? Unfortunately, we watched that and there was a major spoiler for him. Oh, He's was like, there? There's not going to be any spoilers. I'm like, no, it's a prequel. <laughs> See, I I've like only, five minutes into it, yeah. it's glaring at me. <laughs> I think I know what part you're talking about. I've not watched The Sopranos, but I watched the movie. Okay, and so I thought maybe I should watch The Sopranos. Um, but um, no. yeah, it's I mean it's been 20 years. Yeah, so I'm watching it again, like it's a brand new show. I mean, I remember some of it, but not that well. So you're you're a movie buff and a music buff, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't get to see as many movies as I used to, especially in the theater. I think COVID yeah. had something to do with that. Uh, but my wife and I still enjoy films. We used to go to the Cleveland International Film Festival every year. Um, you know, and again, before kids, when you have a little more money and time. Yeah. Uh, so we always enjoyed doing that. And, you know, a, a big selling point for her with me was she loved to go to films as much as I did. And we're not talking, you know, blockbuster films we're talking these indie art help art house type films yeah. that not everyone likes and you know maybe makes you know hundred thousand dollars in box office mm -hmm. so um and in fact one of our our first dates after after sting we went and uh saw a film at cedar lee if anyone goes to cedar lee theater on coventry and cleveland heights so uh, films music although now she's done with concerts and and i pretty much am too the, the prices are getting ridiculous and blossom at my age is not <laughs> like halfway through we ready we go i don't want to get caught in that traffic caught in the traffic <laughs> i just remember my the night before my my first day of my senior year i went and saw journey when they had a new song out called don't stop believing um hmm, it and, sounds familiar <laughs> and we got there late because i had football practice Picked up my girlfriend. We went, we're like at the lot, right by the street, way out there. Walk, 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 walk to get there. And then walk all the way back. I didn't get home until like three in the morning. And then I went to high, you know, went to school for my first day of my senior year. So that was just, and then football practice. So I'm just not up for that. And I know you can 
you can pay like fifty, hundred dollars for parking now. Oh, at yeah. Boss, back, back then, everything was free. All the parking was free. There was no no pay to park. Uh, Coliseum used to have to pay uh, for parking, and MMS would pick up the tab sometimes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I just I'm not up for all these uh, just the the whole ordeal. I like it when I'm there. I enjoy the show, uh, but you know, hundred dollars a ticket. Plus the you know the parking, it's just ridiculous. Well, what what would you say would be the best concert that you've ever gone to? Because I know you've gone to a whole bunch of them. Um, what's the best? Be, one of the questions was something that maybe someone doesn't know or you guys don't know about me. I've been to probably over two hundred and fifty concerts. I'm I'm old though, older. <laughs> Most of these were back in the seventies and eighties. I, I didn't have any money in the nineties uh, to go to concerts, at least the early nineties, and then maybe picked up a few here and there. But, and I know we talked about this last time. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, because I had a, a friend who used to write for the uh, Lake County News Herald. He was one of the uh, like the music critics. So he would get free tickets and we'd get backstage passes. Um, as I'm like with him. Uh, but he'd always have 10th row seats. And many times the, the concerts he brought me along to, he didn't know the names of the songs. And he just wanted to, you know, what's the title? What's the title? Especially like Springsteen. So I saw Springsteen on the Born in the USA tour at the Coliseum, 10th row. That's one of my favorites. My favorite moment was Van Halen. Uh, same, I think it was, might have been Diver Down. It was before 1984. And 10th row, and I, <laughs> this is so 80s. I had my <laughs> members only jacket on. And I, I, I went right up front. Eddie Van Halen's right in front of me on top of the speaker doing eruption. And I was in front of the speaker. It was so loud. I kid you not. My members-only jacket was blowing back. I had no earplugs or anything in my ears. And I'm just looking at it. And his fingers are going crazy. And I'm looking at his wedding ring. That's how close I was. Wow. I could see his ring. <laughs> uh, so that was a big I, I love that. Uh, another time when I saw Van Halen with Sammy Hagar uh, in early night, mid-90s. Then I started to have a little more. Um, that was awesome too. I just remember the fans leaving. This was at Quicken Loans, formerly Gundarina. Fans left that place. I felt the energy. Everyone was just pumped up. It was kind of scary because hmm. it was. Yeah, I'd say Van Halen attracts maybe seventy percent male audience. Uh, like Rush is probably maybe ninety percent male audience. I don't know. That was another good show too. Uh, but yeah, a pretty diverse group. I mean, I've seen Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney. Um, Little Big Town, and you know, going all the way back, my first concert was Black Sabbath with Van Halen on Van Halen 1 as their opener. Wow. This was 1978, Ozzy's farewell tour at the time, Yeah, before they, they kind of kicked him out. Uh, but uh, that, that was fun, too. I was only 14, like starting ninth grade, and uh, went with three, three of my friends, and you know, our parents would drive us out there, drop us off, we'd pick you up by the road. <laughs> <laughs> just shocked look back there um, I don't know if that would happen so much now I mean I've done that with my daughter when she went and saw Sean Mendez downtown <laughs> and her, you know, I dropped and I'm like talk about 90% you know then all, all female audience there but um, you know my mom was pretty you know she was strict but she let me go to these shows so I don't know how I got away with it but it was, it was I guess I was you know well-behaved. Well, so what was Mr. Hungerford of high school like? What were, what were you like back, back in the day? From, I, I, don't, I can't imagine a bigger change in an individual from ninth grade to 12th grade. 
let's just say ninth grade was not, I mean, that's when I went and saw that concert I just mentioned and maybe hanging out with the wrong, wrong group. I was in a rock band, long hair, you can imagine. For me, how, long, how hair. long hair? I mean, well, it, it kind of just got thick. Got thick, not right. anymore. But it just got thick. Didn't really get long. But it, there was a lot of hair. Got um, bushy hairdo there. Yeah. All right. And uh, played guitar in the band. Uh, not interested in, in studies. You know, not very good grades in ninth grade. Tenth grade, same path. And then something happened. You know, it's that moment. And I talk about this in my class sometimes, where. You don't have that luxury in life of knowing when a decision you make or an event happens that your life just goes in a completely different trajectory. And mine did. Um, what happened in, in gym class as a sophomore, it was in September, so it was pretty early on in the school year. I had a free kick. And we were, did I say we were playing soccer? No. And I wanted to be, you know, clever and have a nice little spin on. Not a soccer player, trust me, at all. <laughs> so I, I, I did this little twist and and it just twisted my leg and you know my history on, on knees and just completely um tore my my uh my cartilage there and i guess acl that just had never repaired i didn't even know huh. i mean this is still back in the dark ages with knee surgery uh where they actually you know cut you open and, and everything scars pretty brutal but we won't start yeah scars <laughs> anyway i was out of school for two months i was i i was scheduled for surgery Went in, found out I had pneumonia. I had to go out, took two weeks to get rid of the pneumonia, went back in, had surgery on, of all days, Halloween. So imagine coming back from surgery on Halloween and seeing all these people dressed as characters and whatever. I'm like, it was very <laughs> odd. I, my uh, roommate was from Mentor High School, and their mascot's a cardinal. So there's this big cardinal walking around our room. Didn't know what <laughs> so during my, uh, my, my healing... And at home, I was in the hospital for a week, unheard of these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to go through physical therapy and learn how to use that leg again. Um, no one came to visit me. None of my friends, friends hmm. at that time, uh, was at home for a while. So I felt, you know, it was good with the crutches to get ready to go back to school. I think someone came over once, and it was a drop-off an album for me to listen to. Uh, maybe it was Carr's first album, something new just mm -hmm. came out. But when I went back, I had to drop some of my year-long classes. Back then, we had semester classes, half credit, full year course, uh, one credit. So some of those I had to drop and redo my schedule for second semester. Of all classes, and we don't have this anymore, typing, um, I, I had to go to a, a semester course because the year-long, I was just too far behind. And so we moved that around. I, was, I met... Uh, who would be my best man in, in my wedding. I knew who he was because we were competitors in, in junior high. My high school, I had two middle school junior highs, and then they came together for one in high school. So he was sort of my rival at the other school in, in basketball. Well, we ended up becoming good friends in this, in this typing class, and I think he was just impressed at how fast I could type. I'm like, well, I had, you know, five, six weeks in that other class, but we bonded. <laughs> We bonded in typing class, and then he invited me. I'm well, why don't you come out? You know, my friends and I are getting together, and I knew who some of these guys were. Uh, so then that's when I kind of made that switch in, in friend circles from a group that, you know, they're, they're, they're nice enough guys, but it wasn't appropriate for me. And then this group of guys who are still my friends. And I, in fact, I have a picture. I don't know if anybody's seen the picture in the back of my room. I have a picture of all my buddies, and we're all wearing Michael Stanley T-shirts. Because mm. uh, we still get together about once a year. Okay. 
So it was at that moment then uh, in the fall of 1978 when the whole trajectory of my life sort of changed. Um, and then, you know, we've looked back on that and, and that person I've, I've told you about, he's even said, I, you know, I credit all of you being the person who I am. Uh, I think, you know, we really contributed and, uh, you know, helped each other along over the years. So that friendships, uh, we're going to be selling, uh, celebrating 40 years mm. this year of uh, our graduating class. Wow. So I want to go back just a moment to the, the injury. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned that in that whole recovery mode, in the hospital, out, out of the hospital, no one came to visit you. I mean, do you remember thinking at that point that I don't have any friends? I mean, did you feel that? I did. Yeah. I mean, obviously my, my mother, my father, my grandparents, you know, came to see me daily. Uh, and I was just waiting for, for one or two of my friends in particular to come by. Mm -hmm. And they never did. Hmm. So that told me a lot. And then when I got home, I thought, okay, they're going to be coming by. And a bunch of them will be coming by. Nobody wants to go to a hospital. No one, you know, they, the one, and they came by once to, you know, like I said, drop off an album. So it gave me pause. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think they value uh, my friendship as much as I value theirs. So it's when this other friend group kind of opened up and welcomed me. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I, I would still run into those other guys and occasionally even, uh, you know, like at a concert, I'll see them. Um, but, you know, we're not that close at all. I, I really like that phrase that you said. Um, it, it gave me pause. Um, and it's, it's, it is interesting at certain stages in our life, we do reach those points where um, it's just really clear that we have to make a change and we have to go a different direction. And uh, then it, it gets equally exciting when you're in a position where you're at like right now and you can look back in retrospect and see how different you are now as a result of that moment of pause. Right. Uh, and and um, it's, it, a, it's a great story. And that's, I mean, that's for a 15-year-old. Yeah. You know, I, I, didn't, I never considered myself that smart as a 15-year-old, but that was a major decision that I made. Um, and I'm like, I, I don't. I want to be accepted. I want to be, I think we all do. Uh, so that was my choice and glad I did. So when you reflect back on that time, I mean, nobody wants to relive middle school or ninth grade. <laughs> I mean, very few of us do. You know, I, I certainly don't. But when you think back <clears throat> to what it was like in that situation, and, and I, I can't imagine that even though you decided to switch friend groups, that everything was super easy at that point and your other friends didn't, you know, yeah, say things or tease or, or look at you or still still feeling that rejection. Do you think any of those feelings and any of those uh, things that you went through at that point um, have impacted you as a teacher? I mean, I look at these quotes from your, I mean, I went around and I asked a bunch of your students and, and I mean, these are direct quotes from them that you are, you're personable, that you, you get to know every student, you're enjoyable, that you're, uh, you, you're patient, you're funny. And, and I look at these qualities that they describe you as, as being a wonderful and amazing human being. And I'm wondering how much of that experience as a child, I mean, does it impact you in the classroom now? I think so. I, I, I feel like, I mean, I see a little bit of myself in everybody because I've been, you know, I was in, in middle school, I, I was in the concert band. I played French horn. Then I went on to playing guitar 
Um, <laughs> I played basketball for three years. So I blew up my knee. I was trying out for the you know JV and varsity. That that went away. I I, I love sports. I'm very competitive. I, I tried out for the tennis team. Ran track. Threw shot and disc. Played football. Uh, I was also in theater. I'm, I mean, I, I think I can almost cover most most uh, areas that students mm-hmm. are involved with at one point or another in my life. Not saying I was. I, believe me, I was not an expert on any of those. Uh, but I gave them a try, and I like to try new things. I, I still do. I was one of the. You know, I always loved reading, and then if we're if we're getting to favorite teacher, um, the 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 person that had the most effect on me. Again, I'm in in this class is eleventh uh, grade now, and it was American literature. Back then, we kind of broke writing composition in one class, and literature in another class. So that would be like junior year, first semester, second semester, and then senior year, I took speech and drama. Those were my four Englishes for my what, junior and senior year. Uh, but it was in my, that American literature course from my best friend that, uh, you know, the, from the typing class, he's sitting next to me. And this teacher, you know, fear is a good motivator. Fear of failure is even bigger motivator. Hmm. And this teacher we had, had he was an institution at our high school. And again, those of you that have been in my room, maybe I've shared with you my wall of inspiration that only I see by my desk. I have three pictures up there. He's the top picture. Um, his name was David Shaner. David, great name. David Shaner. And like I said, institution he taught at, uh, did I mention the high school I went to is Painesville Riverside? This goes by Riverside now. Uh, the auditorium is named after him. Hmm. And he stopped teaching there in 1984. My mother had him. That's he was there 35 years. Wow. He his plays, his musicals. People would travel from all over Northern Ohio to go to Riverside High School to see his musicals because they were that good. They were professional. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, he stopped directing those. Uh, I think my my eighth grade year. So someone else took over. Hmm. But I took his drama class. But going back to that American literature course, you knew your stuff, or he would humiliate you in class. I know we don't do that. We don't do that now. It's the frowned upon. <laughs> but if you didn't know something, he just had this way of like, I'm never going to have that happen again. I'm going to come in prepared. So in, usually, you know, we would read, read the story on your own, come in the next day, have a discussion, hopefully a, a good discussion on whatever it is we read. Or he'll give a point, what happened next? And he'd call on you, and if you didn't know, F. If you knew it, you got an A. If you didn't know it, F. Write it down in your notebook. So it was either sink or swim, every day. And then sometimes, if you really angered him, he would say, record a string of Fs in your notebook. I'm like, what? That happened to me once. I'm like, I asked my friend Mark, I go, what's a string of Fs? That's a good name right I'm there. Like, yeah, Mark. <laughs> so my partner in crime, yes, back then was... And the one time, I tried to help my friend out by giving him the answer. And I'm like, the answer was, he fell off his horse. I don't know if it was Sleepy Hollow or something like that. I go, Fs. My friend is deaf in one ear. And I said, on this side of him. He's like, I don't know those letters. And he, and he just called out my friend's name. And he said, I can tell you don't know F. And Hungerford, F. Because <laughs> he knew I was going to help him out. But... He was one that if you needed something, you could go to him. He would help you out. 
um, and it made me want to be a better student. That was my turning point as a student mm. um, because I wanted to do, if you could do well in his class, if you got an A in his class, you're going to be fine in college. Uh, and I, w I managed to get, I don't know how, but an A in lit, speech, and drama. Uh, then we kept in touch after high school. Uh, I went to Bowling Green, and he would write me letters. And we'd go see plays at the Great Lakes uh, Theater Festival, Queen Playhouse. Wow. That was kind of nerve-wracking. Even two, three years after graduation, I'm like, what are you doing tonight? I go, I'm going to go see a play with Mr. Shannon. What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. So, um, and we would go there, and people would come up behind him. And go, Excuse me, Mr. Shannon. I just want to say, I've seen X, this play, that play. And they just thought, oh, he's like celebrity. Wow. I mean, like I said, he was an institution, and people in the theater community knew him. Wow. Um, so, it was, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And, in fact, came to my wedding. Wow. So, this would be 16 years after I graduated high school. He came to my wedding. And, of course, my wedding party, other friends, all went to the same high school. And they're like, Mr. Shannon, like his brothers went around the church. <laughs> no one's paying, paying attention to the people getting yeah. married. They're all... getting married. No. <laughs> Wow, that's great. And so he, would you say he's, a, he's your inspiration for wanting to be a teacher as well? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, at, you know, I didn't study education as an undergrad at Bowling Green. My, my background's interpersonal and public communication. Mm. Didn't sure, wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do with that. I also at one point wanted to be a filmmaker, but that's a whole other story in another podcast. Uh, maybe. But um when I told him about the job with the independent education firm uh, you know, to teach reading and study skills, he's like, oh, run. All right, sorry about that interruption. Oh, no problem. <laughs> uh, where was I? You were talking about, um, yeah, where were you? You were, uh, he inspired you to be a teacher. Oh, and he, he told he, me, yeah. when I told him I was going to teach, he told me to run. And he made it sound like, you know, run, run far away. Why? Why? And this is after 35 years of teaching high school students. Um, but then I, in later, later years, I thought maybe he was saying run towards. Because I, I do think he loved teaching. But I think of 35 years in the classroom mm -hmm. with, you know, 15 to 18 year olds. <laughs> but at least, you know, the, 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 the age group I was going to be teaching was 18 to 20 year olds. So a little different. And they, they were paying to be there. It's not like you have to be here. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to be there, and they were paying to hear what I had to say. So I was a little different. But, uh, yeah, looking back, that is definitely the reason I'm a teacher. Uh, I kind of, like I said, fell into it this way, a little different journey than, than most take. Mm -hmm. But uh, for whatever reason, this is where, where I was meant to be today. Mm -hmm. And for that, I'm, I'm happy. And I, I do give him a lot of credit. That's awesome. Well, we're uh, we're almost out of time, and they're going to be calling everybody down for the big volleyball game. So, okay. um, are you? The, you're not playing. I'm not playing. No. So, no. The knees prevent the knees me from playing. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I, so. I'll go with that too. <laughs> but uh, to kind of wrap up, uh, last uh, last couple questions. What's one thing about you that most people don't know that that uh, that you'd want to share with our audience? Uh, I think most would be surprised. For me to say, I'm, I consider myself an introvert. Introvert. I'm very, just, if I have a choice, I'd just rather go sit in the corner and read a book. Hmm. But I do have this, and I give Mr. Shaner this credit, 
that I can walk through the door, flip a switch, and be on. Um, so maybe, you know, all the theater I took uh, in the drama class starting in Mr. Shainer's class uh, prepared me for the greatest role. You know, our lives are our greatest role. Mm -hmm. you're, you're the main character. You're your own protagonist. Uh, so I'm playing this role of, of teacher, educator, and hope I inspire and, and motivate. So, you know, but at the end of the day, I can power down very easy and go home and read my book and fall asleep in my chair and mm. get up and do it all again tomorrow. <laughs> it's funny because my daughter is an aspiring teacher, and we had that conversation this week because in her speech class, she had to give a speech, and, and she was very stressed out about it. And I'm like, listen, sweetheart, it's important that you learn how to put together uh, you know, a speech in the right order and following, you know, the demands of, you know, making a good speech and a good presentation, because as a teacher, one of your uh, strongest qualities is being able to act. You've got to be able to get up and and present and flip that switch. And, and so it's, it's neat to hear you say that. As a teacher, and this will be my last question for you, um, what advice would you pass on to a younger you? Me? In particular, yeah. Uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Uh, don't get too uh, upset with setbacks. Appreciate those victories that come along, because sometimes they're few and far between. Um, and and just uh, continue to have a love of learning. I mean, you know, we have to take classes every few years and. Uh, I'm always applying or looking forward to taking a course over the summer. I just have that lifelong learning gene in me, and uh, you know I hope that continues. I don't know. I'll be in my 60s and I'll still take classes. Mm -hmm. It's fine with me. I enjoy it. Uh, it's a little different, um, but uh, and I, I've also found a, a different way to approach writing that I never used to have. It's probably like many of you. You wait till the last uh, few days and then hammer it out, and then basically turn in a first draft. Uh, but I kind of do it piecemeal right here, and then I know I get distracted, and I'll come back and write some more, and then I'll fine-tune and polish, and then I have to put together the, the finished product. Mm. And I'm like, oh, it's not too bad. I know I was that good a writer. <laughs> yeah, that's an area of um, growth in my life as well, just being very intentional about writing every day and not trying to cram it all in, but taking 10, 15 minutes every day to write uh, and, and work on that that skill. You know, when I hear you talk about being a lifelong learner, and, and I really do think this is one of the perks of our, our job, our calling, right? When we're in the classroom, we are constantly being challenged to to learn and then to pass on what we're learning mm -hmm. to to our students. And that's just one aspect of our profession, I think, that keeps us young, uh, young at, at heart. And just constantly pursuing um, ways to become the best version of ourselves. And um, it's one of the things that I appreciate so much about you. Uh, you are uh, someone who inspires me to learn more and to become a better person, a better teacher, a better speaker, uh, and to constantly stay involved. I see how you are involved with kids, and it inspires me to, you know, kind of put my own uh, time and comfort level to the side and, and really engage in our students' lives. And so. On behalf of our audience and behalf of our school, I thank you for all that you you do for us. You well, are thank you. you're a true blessing, and um, you are an incredible human being. Well, thank you. I'm very honored for all your kind words, and you know to be here. And I always encourage anyone to come by at any time, talk about whatever. Um, 
you know, present, past, or, for, or future students. Hopefully some of you will be in my room next year. So uh, thanks for joining us today. And those of you that are tuning in, thank you for checking out this episode of Between Two Blue Devils. Do me a favor, make sure that you rate this podcast, that you share this podcast, share this episode out so more people can hear about the ever incredible Mr. Hungerford and all that he does here at Tommy High School. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at, at Mr. Horner, the teacher, or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.